over. Um, I wish at some level it uh, was that easy, um, where you could just sing yourself that little cute ditty of, don't worry, it's all going to be okay, just be happy, when life's troubles, situation, circumstance, all that kind of stuff rises, you can just sing yourself a little Bobby McFerrin and all of life's problems, just you'll be happy. But the reality is it doesn't really work like that. And uh, this morning what I'm going to be talking about uh, is the issue uh, of worry. Now I know no one in here deals with worry, uh, so this is probably just for your friends. You'll have to go and talk to them about worry because none of us deal with it. But um, in doing some quasi-research on worry, and that was tongue-in-cheek because I think all of us in here at some level deal with some levels of worry. We uh, have worry dolls, okay? This is a picture of a worry doll. Now, the legend behind these worry dolls, very small little creatures here, legend says that um, if you have a problem, you share it with your worry doll. And before going to bed, tell one worry to each doll, then place them beneath your pillow. And while you sleep, the dolls somehow will magically take your worries away. Now, before you laugh and write this off as just complete joke, millions and millions of dollars is spent on worry dolls. Worry beads, okay? This is a picture of worry beads, at least one picture of some worry beads. Uh, and this is how this works. Uh, they are used for a comforting effect. So if you have any issues with anxiety or stress or worry, you place these beads in the palm of your hand, you rub them with your thumb, and somehow, some way, magically, uh, your worries will go away. Now, I don't have a picture of worry stones, but if you've ever been to any type of mall that has those little carts, Lots of them sell these things called worry beads, and it's the same concept uh, as, or worry stones, the same concept as worry beads. Now, if you were just to do a very quick search on Amazon, which I did, uh, with information, books specifically geared towards uh, worry slash anxiety, one and the same, uh, thousands upon thousands of books that are written towards the subject of worry. One less thing to worry about, uncommon wisdom for coping with common anxieties, mastery of your anxiety and worry, the 10 best ever anxiety management techniques, understanding how your brain makes you anxious and what you can do to change it, freeing your child from anxiety, powerful practical solutions to overcome your child's fears, worries, and phobias. Actually, as I was searching through Amazon for just different catchy titles, I was most discouraged, not by how much is written on the subject of worry, but how much is written on the subject of worry towards kids. Uh, that kids in our culture are growing up with all sorts of fears and phobias, worries, and anxiety. How to win over worry, time-tested answers to emotional freedom. Women who think too much. How to break free from overthinking and reclaim your life. Coping with anxiety, 10 simple ways to relieve anxiety, fear, and worry. Anxious from 9 to 5, how to beat worry, stop second-guessing yourself, and work with confidence. How to win over worry, positive steps to anxiety-free living. I would venture to say that we live in a culture that is 
consumed by worry and very confused as to what to do about it or what to do with your worry. Statistics show that a staggering 40 million individuals throughout the U.S. are afflicted with some form of anxiety or worry disorder. So this is an astounding, about 20% of all people in America have some form of an anxiety disorder, something related to worry. Every year, 140 billion, that's with a B, $140 billion is spent on mental disorders. 42 of that $140 billion is spent specifically on anxiety and worry, just medication alone. Anxiety is one of the most debilitating psychological and physiological states that a person can be afflicted with. It is an extreme state that involves various degrees wherein sufferers, sufferers will exhibit emotional somatic and even behavioral issues and concerns, concerns due to their anxiety. Now, I have a lot of stuff that I was going to share with you, but I think you get the point. Uh, it's pretty simple. A lot of us here today and a lot of our culture that we certainly live in um, is plagued with worry, and we don't consumed with worry, I should say, and we don't know what to do about it or we don't know where to go, and so we buy books like 10 Steps to Freedom or 7 Steps to Do This or 5 Steps to Do This, uh, but all of this just keeps breeding more literature of, well, that didn't work, so let me try this book, let me try this book. And it's interesting, most of the books that I looked at all had to do with managing your worry or um, nothing that was, no book had been written, so to speak, on how to live a life that is absolutely free of anxiety and worry. Now, when you came in this morning, uh, there's uh, cards. I only made about 100 of these cards, but find one and a pen. That's, you should have a little postcard um, with an I love or I want to live uh, on the front. And then on the back, uh, it says five things you are worried about. Everyone should have a card and get a pen. We're going to do a little exercise here. This is between you and you, meaning no one else is going to look at this card. Uh, but I want you to think... Uh, real quick, what are the five things, five in order, if you can think of it uh, that way, of the things that you are most worried about? Now, most of us probably don't think of, well, I'm not a worried person. And just so you know, stress is worry. That's just another word. we like, I'm totally stressed out, but I'm not worried about it. Stress and worry, anxiety, it's all one and the same. So for people who say, I'm completely stressed out, that's code, that's key for I'm completely overwhelmed with worry and anxiety. So five things in order from greatest to least of what are the things that you are most stressed, worried, anxious about. Write those down. And again, this is just for you. No one's going to see this. Uh, so be honest uh, as you come up with your list. It's interesting. I was talking to Caden last night, who is my little three-year-old right there. And uh, I said, this is... Keep writing. Pay attention to me halfway. And so I said, Caden, are you worried about anything? And he said, no. And I was not really convinced that he actually knew what worry meant because he's only three. And I said, do you actually know what worry is? And he says, yeah, it means to be afraid. I was like, wow, you are genius. <laughs> and uh, I said, so you're not afraid of anything? And he said, you mean like monsters and dinosaurs? And I was like, okay, like monsters and dinosaurs. You're not afraid of monsters and dinosaurs? And he said, no. And I said, well, why not? 
And he just said, well, because monsters aren't real and dinosaurs are extinct. <laughs> and I just thought the wisdom of my little three-year-old is why be fearful, anxious, worried about stuff that ultimately just doesn't exist? If a three-year-old could figure that out, why can't a 37-year-old figure that out? We get worried, anxious, and fearful about stuff that doesn't exist. All right, so do you have your list? Five things. Now, some of you, this is an exercise in stress and worry alone because you're stressing about, I can't think of five things, or I can't narrow down my top five things, and your, your heart rate is raising because you're getting stressed about this. Five things that you are worried about. Okay, as you look at your list, if you didn't come up with five, that's okay. Hopefully, at least have one or two or three. Um, I want you to answer these questions. And as you answer these questions, if it's a no response, take your pen and cross it out. Okay, so question number one. Can you control the outcome of whatever it is you put down? Can you control the outcome by worrying about it? If your answer is no, that you can't control the outcome by worrying about it, then pencil that one out or scratch it out, draw a line through it. Question number two, can you influence the outcome? Okay, can you either control it? Second question is a little bit same lines. Can you influence the outcome of whatever it is you're worrying about by worrying about it more? If you say, I can't ultimately influence this either by worrying about it, then cross it out. Last question, question number three, is there anything that is on your list, your top three, top four, top five, that as you look at that list, you'd be like, this is way too big for even God to handle? So if you answer yes to that question, then you can, don't have to cross anything out. But if you look at your list and you'd be like, there is nothing that is on this list that is way too big, too, too much, or way beyond God's capabilities... You answer no, then go ahead and cross it out. Can you influence the outcome? Can you control the outcome? And is there anything ultimately that's just too big for God? I, would, I don't want to see a show of hands, but I wonder if you were to be honest looking at your list, I'm guessing that most of our stuff is actually crossed off. That is, you would look at your top three, top four, top five, that most of those things are most likely crossed off your list. Last week... I did a preview, so to speak, of this week. And I said, if you know where your treasure is, meaning what you value more than anything in life, if you know where your vision is, where you are looking, whether you're looking to God and things eternal or just looking at the world around you, which will perish, and if, you are, if you're not confused as to who your God is, meaning who you serve. We all serve someone. Sometimes it's just ourself. Sometimes it's the world around us, but we all serve someone. So if you know where your treasure is, if you know where your vision is, and if you know who your God is, worry and anxiety will be a thing of the past, meaning it won't be a reality in your life. I'm going to guess that many of us will say, well, I know where my treasure is. I'm looking at God, and I know I'm trying to live for God, but I love God, and I'm trying as hard as I can to live for God, but worry is killing me. So it doesn't make sense that I know all of these things, but worry is still plaguing my life. So why do I still struggle with worry? 
This is what Jesus said. This was a promise that he actually made. This will be of great encouragement. John 16, I have told you these things. He's given his disciples a lot of warnings about what the end would look like so that in me you can have peace, okay? Jesus says when we have a relationship with him, we would have peace. He goes on to say, in this world, you will have trouble, okay? Jesus says, in this world, in this present life, you will have trouble. How many people would say, absolutely, I've seen it, experienced it, currently living it? Jesus says this, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus basically looks at his, cheer up. What are you so sad about? Take heart, I've overcome this. If you stick with me, if you walk with me, if you live with me, you have nothing to fear. Yes, trouble will come. He promised that there would be much trouble in this life. But he said, just take heart, be of good cheer. I have overcome this world. I like that the Bible makes pretty clear that this life is not going to be simple. No one ever promised that life would be easy. But the life that Jesus told us, promised us that we would live if we live it in him, is that we would have peace even if there's much problem and much pain. Our issue is when we start walking away from, or we don't know God or walk away from God, we miss the peace. And we start living with anxiety and worry. Soren Kierkegaard, who is a, a pretty wise guy, on the subject of worry, said this. See if this resonates. No grand inquisitor has in readiness such terrible tortures as anxiety. No grand inquisitors has in readiness such terrible tortures as anxiety. Meaning, some of us have suffered more in this world than has actually ever happened to us. Some of us have suffered so much, but that stuff has never actually happened to us because it's all happened up here in our head. Because we think anything and everything is possible, and our minds just think of the worst possible thing that could ever happen. See if these questions describe you. You are tormented by the worst possible scenario ever happening. So you find yourself in whatever situation it might be, how much of your mind just dwells automatically to the worst possible thing that could ever happen? And you just get stuck in that and you keep thinking, well, what if this happens? And then you get stuck in the worst possible scenario. What if you are consumed with thoughts of what people might say or do? How many of us have conversations with ourselves in our head of, well, what if this person does this? Or what if this person says this? And we have hours upon hours of conversations with people that never actually take place. And the conversations we have with people in our heads, they just stress us out, cause all sorts of unnecessary, undue worry and anxiety. Or, as I mentioned before, we're just great at creating outcomes that are never good. Okay, so the question is, why do we do this? Ultimately, why do we worry? You have to answer this question for yourself of why do you worry? But here's my short list. It gives us a sense of control, power, or somehow influence. If I just really worry about this, if I stress out about it, it gives me a sense of I'm in control of the situation. Even though we know it's a false sense of control, power, or influence, somehow it just makes us feel better. Or we deceive ourselves into thinking this is actually helping. By thinking of the worst possible scenario, 
having these endless conversations with ourselves in our head about what this person might do, say, react, respond, we think it actually helps us even though we know that it doesn't. Or, I think this is probably true for most of us, we just don't know what else to do. Worry is our first response and it's our only response. And so many of us live lives plagued with worry and anxiety, fear, stresses, phobias, because we just don't know what else to do. If you believed, okay, and this is a question for you, if you believed that worry was a sin, do you think that you would be aggressive, actually more aggressive in how you responded, reacted to worry in your life? I could give you a list of sins that most of you are like, yeah, that's not good. Looking at pornography, not good. Probably getting drunk and doing all sorts of, you know, shooting cocaine and heroin up our that's not good. That's definitely a sin. And, and lying and stealing and cheating, yep, those are definitely sins. We should stay away from those. But do you believe that worry is a sin? See, I don't think most of us think worry is a sin. I think we just think it's a struggle. There's a difference between sin and struggle. And when we categorize something as just, it's a struggle in my life, then we struggle with it in life. But if we actually have the mentality that, no, this is actually a sin, then I start getting a lot more aggressive and I start seeking to repent of whatever the sin might be, in this case, worry. John Piper, I like how he said this. He said, not only is sin or worry a sin, he says, anxiety is a condition of the heart that gives rise to many other sinful states of the mind. If anxiety could be conquered, a mortal blow would be struck to many other sins. He gives as way of example how many of us are worried, stressed, anxious about our finances? Okay, so if we're worried, meaning we're sinning, we're worried about our finances, it leads us to such things as coveting, as greed, as hoarding, and possibly even stealing. The sin of worrying about our finances does not lead us to be generous because we're so consumed with worry about, I don't have enough and I don't know how I'm going to pay for this, our first thought is not, how can I be more generous? I don't have much, but how can I be generous with the little I have? Our first thought when we worry about finances is, I got to collect more, I got to keep it to myself, I got to be greedy, and then I start looking at what other people have, and I start coveting, my goodness, look, they have the most gorgeous iPhone I've ever seen. I've never done that. If you're worried about relationships, and I've seen this one specifically with people who are single but very desirous to get married. Somewhere around the age of 24, 25, 26, 27, I start getting a little bit nervous of, wow, I'm getting a little bit older and I don't have a boyfriend or girlfriend and I desire to get married because I'm worried about this relationship. Certainly God's not going to take care of me. Why would he provide for me something like a spouse? Why would he do that? And so my standards for who I start dating and spending time with, they used to be like way up here. I want to have a guy who, man, he just loves God. He walks with God. He's faithful, man of character, integrity, man of purity. He's generous. Then we're like, well, you know, I'm starting to get a little bit older, and uh, I guess I'm not seeing those guys around. And so, well, I guess if he can spell God, I don't know, that's got to be, that's, that's got to be close enough. I see that a lot with relationships. 
We start worrying about what we don't have, and so we start manipulating situations to work out for what we ultimately would like. Before I go in and, and look at specifically what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, I have to ask this question. And the question pretty much will hinge on whether you tune out completely the rest of the message or whether you'll stick with what Jesus has to say about worry. And the question is this, do you really want to be free of it? Most of us, a lot of us, our identity is so wrapped up in worry. That's just what we do. The thought of not worrying about something, not being anxious or stressed about something is too scary, and so I'd rather just live my life with my phobias and fears, anxieties, and worries. So if at the end of the day, you're like, I'm fine with living with worry, then this rest of this time, it won't mean anything to you. But if, you, if there's anything in you that says, I don't want to be that anxious, worried, freaked out person, stressed out all the time, then Jesus has something for you. But there comes a point in time where you have to make a decision, where you have to make a choice that says, I will not live in the bondage slavery of being the worried, freaked out, scared, anxious, stressed out person the rest of my life. And I just, Jesus wants you to live stress, worried, anxious, free. When I say he wants you, he commands us to do this. But at the end of the day, do you really want to be free of worry, anxiety in your life? Before I jump into uh, the scripture we're looking at in Matthew, let me uh, pray for a time. God, I realize this is a pretty big uh, subject, uh, worries and anxieties, stresses. Uh, God, every single one of us uh, in this room right now uh, has experienced it, has tasted worry, anxieties, and fears. And God, I do pray that uh, today would be a pretty powerful day in each of our lives that uh, we would be set free, that we would go from this place with a clear understanding, Jesus, of ultimately what you say about anxiety and worry. And God, I do pray that all of us, every single one of us, would make the decision not to worry, not to be stressed and anxious. So God, help us uh, as we walk through uh, Jesus' words uh, here in the Gospel of Matthew. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. This is what uh, Jesus says. Six, Matthew 6, verse 25 says this, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Okay, just stop right there. Just want you to sit with that first half of the verse. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Two responses right away. You can say, clearly, God doesn't know my life. Clearly, God doesn't know my situation because if he did, he would know how much I have to be stressed, anxious, and worried about. So clearly, God is clueless as to my, my plot in life. Or you might actually respond in a level of humility and say, clearly, I don't understand the God who's calling me not to worry. I hope we can think about it in the latter. God, Jesus, God-man says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. Let me read the, the text in its entirety. He goes on to say this. 
Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Love this question, verse 27. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon, in all of his splendor, Old Testament King Solomon was thought to be the most beautiful, wisest, richest man known to the world. Jesus says, consider him. You think he who had it all was the best, most beautiful, richest, wisest man. Solomon, in all of his splendor, was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, catch this, you of little faith? Verse 31, so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all of these things. Pagans meant Gentiles, people who did not know God. They run after all of these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Why bring tomorrow into today is Jesus' point there. What I love about what Jesus says three times, if you missed it, do not worry. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry. And he finishes, again, if you just missed my point, do not worry. Caesar, Nero, fast forward into modern day dictators, kings, guys like Stalin, Hitler, Saddam, just, you could, the list would be very long of dictators and kings who used worry as a weapon to control people. If you, the thought being, if you keep people worried about their life, about their existence, about if they will be protected, if they will be fed, if they will be clothed, if they will be housed, if you keep people worried, it's a way to control them to get them to do what you ultimately want them to do. That's how kings and dictators, evil ones, worked. Keep the people on edge. Keep them worried. If they think I will give them what they need by keeping them worried, then they'll do my bidding, so to speak. I love that Jesus, who the Bible says is the king of kings, he's not a king like that. He doesn't use worry as a weapon, as a way to control us. Actually, Jesus doesn't use his throne that way. He uses, that, uses his throne, his kingship, to free us from worry. I don't want you to miss, this is absolutely amazing that God looks at us and says, you don't need to worry. Do not worry about your life again and again and again. And by the way, that's the message also in the rest of the New Testament. Do not worry. 
I want to be clear of a difference here. Jesus is not suggesting or saying, hey, just walk around with a very lazy, lackadaisical attitude, be like, whatever, I don't really care. God told me not to worry, so I just will live my life carefree. Whatever, it just doesn't matter. That's not what Jesus is saying. There's a difference of a person who has deep concerns and a person who is plagued with worry. And the difference might seem very subtle to you, but concern is always other-driven. And it, concern leads me to God. When I am concerned about someone or something or a situation, my concern leads me to go to God. When Haiti happened, when Chile happened, my first concern for the people who are, are dying, are starving, are sick, God, will you do what only you can do? That is a God-driven concern that leads me to God. Where a worry, I mean, if you were to look at your list of what you wrote down, how much of it was other-centered and how much of it was self-centered? The difference is worry leads us, or um, a self-focus leads us to worry. Jesus said this, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat, drink, about your body, what you will wear. Have you ever wondered why we are so consumed with the physical? Why Jesus just goes to the very practical, physical things of our life. Our concern, our worry for ourselves is feed it, clothe it, warm it, cool it, refresh it, relax it, entertain it, pleasure it. We get so worried about our bodies. And Jesus says, why do you sum up the total of your life in your body? Meaning, feeding, watering yourself, clothing yourself, and housing yourself. This is, if you have that view where you're so concerned about just the physical aspects of life, you have a very narcissistic, very reductionist view of humanity. Meaning, you're just nothing more than flesh. That's all you are. So if that's your view of humanity, ultimately your view of yourself, then that's all you care about. Feeding, clothing, entertaining, pleasuring, it's just all about, there's nothing more to life than just your body. And Jesus counters this narcissistic, reductionist view of humanity with a question. Isn't life more important than food? Isn't life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? How do you know how you actually define life? I could try to define life for you, but how do you know how you define life? Follow the trail of what you worry about most, and what you worry about most is the best definition for how you define your existence. Follow the trail of worry, and you will discover how you define the meaning of your existence. What we worry about most is what we're placing the most value upon. Jesus' question, is not life more important than just the body, the physical? Jesus gives a question that raises ultimately another question. Well, if life is not ultimately about the body, about just our physical, then what ultimately is life about? And I love how he just looks at the birds. Just look up. Just look at the birds in the air. Verse 26. Look at the birds in the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father 
He feeds them. This is a great question. Are you not much more valuable than they? Like, if you can just look at the birds and be amazed at, like, wow, yeah, they work hard. But are they anxious and worried by storing and making barns and all this? No. Why? Because God cares for them. This is an argument from the lesser to the greater. Meaning, if he takes care of the birds, how much more will he take care of and provide for you? It's just a bird. God says that we were created for him, by him, made in his image. Our meaning of existence, our meaning of life, why we exist, our purpose is to know God and be known by God meaning to have a relationship with God. That is the sum total of my existence. Not in what I wear, what I will eat, what I will drink, how I will entertain myself. The sum total of my existence is in knowing the one who created me. Created by God, for God, to be known by God and to know God. Worry does something where it gets us fixated on one thing. Do you ever see that? It just consider the things that you worry about. You get so stuck. I get so stuck on that one thing. I can't see anything else happening around me. I just see the one thing. I see the worst possible scenarios of that one thing. I'm consumed with that one thing. When I'm focused on one thing, I begin to lose sight of the main thing. And this is Jesus' point. You have so much more value in God's eyes. This is... Um, author unknown. I came across this poem as I was reading this week. I thought it was cute and funny, but how true. Said the robin to the sparrow, I should really like to know why these anxious human beings rush about and worry so. Well, said the sparrow to the robin, friend, I think it must be that they have no heavenly father such as cares for you and me. The birds looking at humans mocking us being like, wow, why are they so anxious? Why do they run around so worried? And one bird says to his fellow bird, well, obviously they just don't know God and how much God cares for them as he cares for us. Been thinking about this. Why is it so hard for us to 